McCord, and you're listening to Austin, Felix, and Matt on the Debbie Debate. Welcome to the Debbie Debate. All right, boys. Are we ready to debate? Austin, you tweeted something, girl. You tweeted your running back tonight. Explain yourself. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. You jumped up and... That's Austin Mace. Who is going to be that guy? And for me, B. John Robinson is still going to be that guy. Back to the ground with Robinson, who spins and then tries to bounce it. A skip arm, another one as he rides it, keeps his balance. They're going to say he stepped out, but I'm... I'm Felix Sharp. I know you didn't think that we would get through this episode without mentioning the name one Zach F. Wilson. Screener draw. Oh, Wilson is going to uncork for the end zone. And he drops it in beautifully. And it is his roommate, Dax Milne, on the touchdown. That's Matt Brody. G. Scott Jr. Obviously, I whacked poetic back on the last episode, so I won't do that again here. And this time it's Fields on the carry. Watch out! Justin Fields! Hello, Columbus! 51 yards! Bruno, are you ready to go head-to-head with me? I am. Gotta get my popcorn out here. Gotta continue. I forgot. Kyle McCord is going to end up winning the job. He's going to be rated higher. Um, well, I'm not nearly as passionate about what I'm about to talk about. Uh, our apologies to Kirk Street and Matt time. We'll get him rescheduled soon. And for Matt Bruning and Austin Ace, I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. It's 9.30 Eastern time, the only time zone that matters. That means it's time for the debate brought to you by CampusToCan.com. That's Matt Bruning, that's Austin Nace, and Chris Moxley, and I'm Felix Sharp on a hydrated version of tonight's show. Did two bad teams make the national championship game? Should Caleb Williams link back up with Lincoln Riley? And we read your takeaways from the 2021 college football season. But we start with Georgia's victory over Alabama in the national championship game. Alabama's offense seemed frustrated all game, but specifically so, Austin, after Jamison Williams went down. Does this Alabama team lack top-end depth at the skill positions? Uh, Before I go into that, I do want to just comment that, yes, we have a a sisterhood of the traveling robe thing going on. That is Collins' robe. Uh, Tune in next week to see who has the robe. So thank you, Luke, uh, for mentioning that. Felix is wearing a robe and clothing underneath, I think, for everybody that's just listening to this podcast. Um, What was the question again? Is is out? Does Alabama suck at the skill position player? Does Alabama suck? Does Alabama suck? Yes, that feels really weird to say. But we were talking about this the other day, and it's part of the reason why I picked Georgia to win. Bama this year has really relied on three people. They've relied on Bryce Young, they've relied on Jamison Williams and that connection, and they've relied on Will Anderson. And besides that, they actually don't like. This is not your typical Bama team from the last this, this is probably the worst Bama team in a decade they still made the national championship game you think about the Debbie assets on that team you have Bryce Young no backup quarterback there right now that I think we think really highly of you know there's no heir apparent 
the wide receiver room, assuming that Jameson Williams leaves. Uh, I don't know what's going to happen with with Mechie. And nobody proven behind them. I mean, Ja'Cory Brooks, maybe, a guy Hall, JoJo Earl, uh, the, the wide receiver class the year before them. Those guys have all flamed out for the most part. The running back room, again, it's Brian Robinson and then a bunch of guys we don't know about. We don't know about Kamar Wheaton. We don't know about Trey Sanders. We don't know about um, uh, um, McClellan, really. We don't know about Roydell Williams. I mean, it, it's a lot of question marks. I do think, you know, for Debbie purposes, the Bama is not, you know, in the top three or four of teams that I'm really looking at right now in drafts. Yeah, I agree with Austin. Right now, they definitely are. We kind of expected that coming into the year, though, right? They were kind of the the discussion all season long with Clemson. How much they were losing, were they really going to be able to keep up what, with what they've done in the past? The one thing I will say is they are right now. 2023, I'm sorry, 2022, because we're in 2022, and that's the season that's about to happen. That could drastically change with all these guys getting a little bit of time. Now they're going to get this whole year to practice, be the guys, and let's not forget they're bringing in one of the best running backs in all of college football. So things could quickly change for Alabama, but right now, if you're asking me to take just a like view of the room, I, I'm 100% with Austin. They're, they're not great. I mean, I think the interesting thing is, is that when think about the run their running back room, what his what it is what it has been in years past and what it is now. Without Jameer Gibbs in there, there's not like a guy that you think is gonna be a RB one or two at the next level. I don't think that that's Brian Robinson. And they've got Kamar Wheaton, who was a four or five star, but wherever he was ranked, people were very hesitant on him being, you know, any sort of thing uh 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 as a as a, pro, a prospect, Jace McClellan is okay. He's but he looks more like T.J. Yeldon, where he's kind of just you know well rounded and not doesn't have any particularly um, uh, elite traits. And then at the wide receiver position, we get to, we got to see two of the three highly touted freshmen, and they did not play well. I mean, they, they were okay, but they were not creating space for Bryce Young. And I think that that's one of the reasons that they lost the game is because. There was nowhere to throw the ball to a guy Hall and Jacory Brooks, and so let's. I mean, it's it's probably Ohio State is very clearly number one as far as where we want to have our Devi and TTC assets invested. But after that, it's 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 not it's not clearly Alabama. There's no one that I don't know that there's after Bryce Young. It's very questionable, Chris, in that uh in that skill position depth chart. Yeah, it is. I I think McClellan would have played actually a really nice role this year, especially based on how we saw him used in the spring game. He was catching a bunch of passes, and like he looked dynamic out of the backfield, so I think he could have been a good complement to the offense. But this is definitely a reloading Bama team um, that we saw this year. Like It, it was freshmen coming in. like they, they went to the portal transfer portal and signed somebody, which is – not really something Bama does traditionally. So bringing in Jamison Williams was recognizing that, hey, like we think this is probably not our year. And it's I mean, just think that, about where they would be without Jamison Williams. Think about Absolutely. where they would have been without Jamison Williams this year. I mean, that offense, look what they look like without Jamison Williams uh, in the championship game. I mean, if they didn't have sure. him, it, that's, that's crazy. Yeah, and it's tough because I, I actually very much agree with Matt. I think – Alabama is basically the prohibitive favorite heading into next year. Like they're the only big loss I think is 
probably Evan Neal and Jamison Williams. And like, are those big losses? Yeah, but you're having a maturing uh, receiver group. And I don't think Evan Neal was that good this year. Like he obviously is all like the physical talent in the world, but he really struggled. And that offensive line struggled a bunch this year. So I, I mean, but they're not losing anybody big. They're going to, they're, they're coming in on all books being the favorite. I really like them hitting into next year, but you like what you said earlier, Felix, the receivers were not good. I thought Ajay Hall was like bad in the national championship. Like uh, he had a bunch of targets and I thought he just didn't play well. And, and, and I don't want to, like, they weren't ready to perform no. on a, on a high level. And that, that speaks to how little Ajay Hall has played this year. Like, I think there's a lot behind the scenes that's going on there, but he definitely was not ready to play in this game. He wasn't consistent. He and Young weren't on the same page. Like, next year will be different, but this is not a good Bama team in terms of Debbie assets as we as we sit here. If I mean, Farby, I think Slade, I Slade like Farby Bolden, had, I think, was one of the right. highest targeted players in that game, and that just tells you, you know, where they're at with with their their skill position players go ahead austin i was gonna say far be it for me to you know um criticize nick saban i mean the guy he, you can't really criticize him i mean they, he doesn't really make mistakes but they've changed the way that they've recruited running backs over the past couple of years and i actually don't i haven't liked any of the running backs they've brought in like they've changed from going after the Najis and the brian robinsons that 220 pound you know all-purpose back to these, you know, high-cut, lean, 6'1", 190, 185 dudes coming into college. And, like, these guys just aren't close to ready. And that a school like Alabama where, like, if an opportunity arises at any moment, you have to be ready to jump on it or else it passes you by. Like, I like Kamar Wheaton and next year Emmanuel Emmanuel Henderson – I think those are two guys that are just never going to do anything there. They're going to get lost in the shuffle. I don't, I don't know why they've switched this philosophy with these guys. I think it's part of them recognizing the role that pass catching backs play at the collegiate level. Like I, it's one thing for it to be like, I don't think there are Debbie assets on Alabama's roster. Maybe Jason McClellan. I don't, I don't think so. Probably. I, I'm not including Jameer Gibbs in this conversation. Obviously like, besides him, these are guys that I think will perform well at the college level, kind of like James Cook did at Georgia. Like they're bringing in that archetype of player to help a collegiate offense. And I don't know that they're looking to develop the same way that they were with Derek, Hen- Derek Henry, Mark Ingram. Um, like that type of back isn't really someone, like you said, like they're not recruiting them currently like they're out there they're just not targeting yeah there are plenty of them in this year's class and they went out like this is like the biggest running back recruit class from a size standpoint i can remember watching in the past five to six years they didn't go after any of them like heavily there's still one out there they get them there's still one out there that they could potentially they haven't offered him clemson they have not michigan has they have not they have not notre dame has the uh aforementioned we should we talked about uh a Jai Hall. There was some speculation that he could transfer. He has tweeted. He's actually tweeted an apology and that he will be back. So Jai Hall is going to. And that doesn't make sense to me either because Jacory Brooks is clearly going to start um, next to uh, uh, John Mechie next year. Should he? Bryce Young likes Bowman. him though. He does. Yeah. He. How many he times did he target him in that game? Five targets. Five targets in his first ten snaps. Bryce as, Young as likes as him. So so I I don't want to like. 
derail what we're talking about too much, but how do you rank, let's say, the the Bama four, the Ajay Hall, JoJo Earl, Ja'Cory Brooks, and Christian Leary? Because I have a really tough time putting, I think Ajay Hall could be like an NFL superstar. And like, I don't want to speculate about um, off the field stuff, but he went to five high schools in four years and he couldn't get on the field and Saban called him out and he was basically forced on the field, the national championship. Like I have a really tough time putting a Jai Hall at the top. And I don't think any of these guys have done anything to really impress this year. Well, well, Hall has impressed really since the spring game, but that's because he hasn't gotten on the field, which is why he threatened to leave uh, er earlier and said, you know, F this or whatever he tweeted. He, he did catch that mesh route. And he turned on another gear that I was like, oh, I didn't realize that that was there. But they, Saban clearly prefers Brooks over him. So to answer your question, Chris Moxley, I still have it, um, JoJo Earl, number one. And it's it's hard to put Hall over Brooks because Brooks is the one that's getting playing time. Brooks is the one that right. when you went down, he was elevated to the starting lineup. And why would that change? I mean – why it, we saw the spring game, it was Hall who was balling out in the spring game. I don't know why that would change over the next eight months where you know Hall might surpass Brooks. So I still ha have Earl number one out of those four, and I'm still gonna put Brooks number two, Hall three, and, and Leary four. Um, but in Austin, this is a point that you've made at value, Leary's probably the one that you want because one, he has an elite trait, and we saw him used in the backfield at Alabama uh, this year when they went, when they had all the injuries and he got time at wide receiver ahead of a Jai Hall. So at value, Christian Leary is probably the one that you want to have rostered. Not a zero either. Not is a Jai Hall a zero. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's a audio medium Austin. So you have to say, yes, you can't shake your head. It's like a deposition. I'm doing the rest of so. this in sign language. Just. For the audience. <laughs> okay. This is an art. Right. It's an art piece. Matt Bruning. Yeah. You had John Mechie was injured coming into this game. Jameson Williams gets injured in the game. They accounted for 53% of uh, Alabama's receiving yardage this year. I mean, clearly they are relied on heavily. After those, after Williams went down, you're relying on uh, Jaleel Billingsley, who just entered the transfer portal, Cameron Latu, Slade Bolden. I mean, just like. Nope. Is is this a fraudulent championship for Georgia? No, no, it's not. Um, I tweeted this out earlier when with my uh, your grumpy man tweet there. I didn't mess up the quarterbacks. I put Sam Ellinger. It was Colt McCoy, though. I still argue that they're practically the same quarterback. Like I know Colt McCoy put up really good stats, but they're the same quarterback. But nobody talks about Nick Saban's first national championship with Alabama coming against that Texas team, having an asterisk next to it back. And I believe it was actually the 2009 championship, even though it was played in 2010. That shit always messes me up. Uh, but I believe Colt McCoy was knocked out. It was either in like the first quarter. I know for sure it was in the first half. I was positive it was on like the second or third drive of that game. He was knocked out, and they played their backup the entire game. And that they only, I think it was, it was like 31 to 14. I don't remember the exact score, but it was right around that. Like, it wasn't like Bama blew him out playing that their, their backup quarterback. So Colt McCoy might have actually given him a game. 
yet we don't put any kind of asterisk against that game. So, no, there is no asterisk. Injuries happen. Would we be putting an asterisk about against it had John Mechie and Jameson Williams got injured before this game and Alabama still made it into the national championship? No, you don't. It's not a fraudulent champion. They won on the field. They deserve the national championship. We've seen injuries happen in multiple national championship games, not just this one, not just the one I mentioned, Alabama. So, no, they are not fraudulent champions. They were the best team all season long. It was a well-deserved championship. Congratulations to Georgia. 100%. I could not agree more with with Matt, and we usually disagree. So that this is a, uh, a big moment here. But historic defense, ranked first in EPA per play all season, allowed 11 touchdowns in 13 games. In the championship, Alabama had nine positive drives, i.e. a first down inside the 40-yard line, only mustered 18 points. Alabama was the only team to score 17 over them the entire season. Georgia was also the only Power 5 team ranked with a top 10 defense and a top 60 offense. This was a historic Georgia team with probably six NFL day one, day two guys. Like, this defense was fantastic. And Stetson Bennett, a walk-on. He walked on to Georgia, then left, went to community college, then came back to Georgia, got a scholarship, moved his way up the depth chart, and won a national championship starting every game this year. Like, I know he's the butt of a lot of our jokes and like I have a whole Stetson Bennett bit running, but like that's an awesome story. There's no reason they should be fraudulent based on the quality of defense they have. They have the second best defense in the last 22 years. I, I There's no chance I'm considering this fraudulent, even though James Williams went down. I don't care. Listen, I'm calling them. I'm calling them the Georgia Bullfrauds. Because with Jameson Williams in tow, Bryce Young threw for over 400 yards. It was a different game. The play that he got injured on it was what a 30-yard play is probably the best play of the entire the best play of the entire game. It changed the dynamic. They already didn't have Mechie. The two freshmen were not ready. The three freshmen were not ready. They don't have this running game that you can just rely on. So the 2021. Georgia Bullfrauds, that's what I'm going to call them. Austin, that's what I'm going to call them. That's on Saban, though. Sorry, Austin. I I don't mean to interrupt. That's on Saban for not developing the right wide receivers. Yeah. That's 100% on Saban, not allowing those guys to get on the field and produce more because you can never predict an injury. Yeah, and and Bryce Young threw for 370 yards in this game. It's not like he wasn't able to throw the ball. He had the yard. A cheaper one really poorly. Like, I forgot football is a is a one-player game. My bad. I thought there was 11 guys out on the field. I thought it was a team game. I, I, I forgot this was basketball all of a sudden. I apologize. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm mistaken. Felix is 100% correct. Georgia Bullfrogs. All right. Uh, Austin, what are we doing with Jamison Williams? I mean, he was projected to be – he could have been the first receiver taken in this, in this draft class. I mean, if he goes and runs a 4-3 – four or something like that he could have been the number one receiver taken um obviously that's not going to happen this year and there's a possibility that he might not even play i mean 
what's the recovery timeline for an ACL now? Eight eight months or so. I mean, he's not going to go through training camp. He's probably going to be ready at some point in the middle of the season, maybe you know towards this time. I mean, I still think of a year in my head. So he might not even play next year. Austin, where are you going to take him in rookie drafts if he declares? Where and he's you know taking the second round somewhere? Where are you going to feel comfortable taking him? It's a trick question because I'm not going to be taking him. Um, I don't think I. I think people know with modern medicine now. Like I think, I think everyone's going to think this is the best case scenario, and I, we don't have any reason to think it's not. That's that's not actually like any part of you know my analysis. Going on down on the screen here. Um, I just think he's going to go too early. Like I see a lot of people saying he's like their wide receiver three. I, maybe he drops a spot or two, but that that's like a mid late first kind of guy in this draft. I think I'll just punt and I'll take somebody else. So that's a trick question. I'm not taking Jamison Williams, and I'm trying to pull up the, the poll right now because we did ask the people. Um, late first, last I saw, was winning. Yeah, late first, early second, forty nine percent late first, thirty point six percent early second. So. Um, 80% of people are saying that range. Chris Moxley is down here wearing window shade, Kanye West glasses, uh, American flag window shade glasses. You, did you put these glasses on to have a, a specific take? Go ahead, Chris. Uh, no, but they were sitting next to me and I'm not wearing my usual computer glasses. Um, I have poor vision, so I, uh, I'm pivoting here to the closest pair of glasses that I had. So for, for those in a visual medium, you're seeing American flag. For those who in audio audio medium, that's what I'm doing. This doesn't change anything. I, I, I like Jalen Waddle had that like injury. He went top six. Like it it doesn't matter. I I actually will draft Jamison Williams, and he is pretty poor. Um, like an like a pretty poor analytical profile, I'll say. But I still have him top four top five at, at worst like i think there's a tier there of like three guys uh to round out my top six but i'll i'll take him if he's going late late first i mean a lot of the his season was just so spectacular that i'm willing to write off so many early production questions the big question that i do have with him is that if he can operate as an alpha at the next level he did not score a red zone touchdown this year that's a big qualifier for being able to operate as um, a number one option. So I like, is, is he like a one B maybe, but I don't think that's necessarily a guy who's going to finish, finish outside of the top 24 and receiving. Cause I think he's really good and has a lot of really good, great um, things about his profile and like, especially his speed. So he's a guy I'm still willing to take a risk on, but I don't think the NFL is going to change anything just based if we assume it's only an ACL, which that's all I've seen reported. Yeah, I don't think the NFL changes their opinion on him at all. He's probably still going to be a first-round pick, but I lean more with Austin because, for me, there's only three wide receivers I believe are pro that can be alphas. Just from what I've seen right now going into the NFL, Williams is not one of them. I think he falls into that second group, and I'm just throwing this name out there. He is behind him in my rankings but I think I'd rather take like a Chris Olave late in the second round than a Jamison Williams in the in the first. 
because I don't know that they're going to be that much different production wise at the NFL level. Like Williams has got him on speed, but I think a lot of it can do a little bit more all around as a wide receiver. There's a couple other guys that he was just the first one that popped in my head. I just, I'm not taking him at the first round. I didn't have him valued there before. There's three wide receivers. I feel really comfortable taking in the first round. If he's, if, if that's where people are taking him, then I'm a hundred percent with us on this. Like I'm fine. Letting somebody, letting somebody else take him in the first and, and grabbing someone at a value in the second. Chris Moxley's glasses are now lighting up. If you And you need to be watching this live. Uh, we want to get more people in the chat, and we thank Matt and Jarrett in the chat with us tonight. Um, we do this all year round. So if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, jump in 930 Wednesdays. I don't think – I think – there's only one time we haven't we haven't missed the show. There's there's only one time that we haven't gone live at 9:30 on Wednesday in over 67 weeks. So jump in with us. Let me turn the page here, Austin, to Georgia. Adana J. Mitchell had the uh, touchdown reception in this game. George Pickens had the long the one catch against uh, uh, Kool Aid. Uh, um, and and uh, Jermaine Burton showed up. Now these. None of these players, for all different reasons, haven't really, you know, had stellar seasons. Are we gonna? But are we going to look back at this wide receiver core, kind of how we look back at those 2011, 2013 LSU teams with Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham? Are we going to look back and say, "Oh my goodness, Stetson Bennett had Adonis Mitchell, George Pickens, Brock Bowers." and Jermaine Burton on the same team. Are we going to look back that favorably on this wide receiver court? Maybe. I mean, you put a note here on the sheet that said, I thought Adonai Mitchell was a thing, but he's below the magic line pretty much across the board. For anybody that doesn't know, at campuscanton.com, we have a ton of different player metrics tools. We have a, what is it, a regression line that goes across it? What's it called, Chris? Help me. I'm... Yeah, it, it, yeah it's what's that line? I call it the magic line. Yeah, it it's, magic it, line. it's like a regression line, and it basically uh, graphs what the average top 24 fantasy wide receiver did uh, when they were in college. So the magic line is what, is what yes, it is. We call, we call it the magic line. Um, I don't really care if a guy is above it in their first year or not. Like year two is kind of the make or break. I mean, if you go through the list of guys that are significantly below that line, it would cap it would capture. I mean, JSN just from last year would have been way below it. Um, a, a lot of top wide receivers. That's just kind of the nature of college football, especially at a program like Georgia. So I don't think that the fact that you know a guy doesn't necessarily produce as a freshman is significant. But Austin, we're not just talking about I know. Mitchell. I know. We're talking about the wide receiver core, like as a whole. Sure. Like, what is the ceiling for for this group? Sure. Yeah, I mean, I, I like all of them. I still like Pickens. He flashed in the championship game. He had that sick catch. He's still like the the guy in this class that he can. He just does some stupid stuff, man. Like that catch, the way he was able to catch it full extension and quickly tuck it, is like you can't teach that. Like somebody can just do that, or they cannot do that. Um, so I mean, I still like him. Jermaine Burton's whatever. Like I, I don't know. I don't think we're ever going to look back at this team and say they were star studded on offense. I think we're going to talk about how star studded they were on defense for a long time. I'm not I'm not buying a lot of these Georgia guys still. The guy that I like the most in the wide receiver room is Marcus Roseme if George Pickens leaves and Brock Bowers. But, and Roseme might be leaving too. I So I, I don't know. I mean, Lad McConkey had a good year. I guess maybe I'll go buy Lad McConkey. Yeah, uh, I, 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 I don't think so. Uh, Brock Bowers is the only one I'm like 100% sold on. 
goes into the NFL, and I think it's still going to be a stud. Like, I like Pickens, still have a lot of questions about him. Again, I agree with Austin, and we, we've never doubted the athletic ability he has, right? Like, he he's a freak. He could be extremely special, but he's never consistently shown that, whether it was because of bad quarterback play, the offense not clicking, and then the injury. Regardless, we've never seen it from him. I need to see more of Mitchell before I'm ever going to try and pair him with that LSU wide receiver room you mentioned. And I'm with Austin on Burton. He's whatever. So the only one I'm sold on is Brock Bauer. So no, I, I don't think in five years we're going to look back at this and be like, holy crap, Stetson Bennett had all these weapons and they won a national championship with them. I can't believe how in sync Matt and I are tonight because we are always on the opposite side. But the only person I think think gets drafted in the first round is Brock Bowers. And I think the rest of the wide receivers have it out like an outside chance at round two, but maybe are our day two guys. Um I you guys think but, a 220 pound tight end is going to get drafted in the I first round? You listen, you he's don't have to two twenty for the record. You don't have to tell me he's he's two I, I think he's between two thirty and two forty currently. Yeah. Um but I still have him as tight end two, and I think I'm like the only one of the. I think Felix, you have him as tight end two as well, but I I'm one of the only people that have him there. But he's gonna go first round. He's just too dynamic. Meaning everybody else has him tight end one. Yeah, I have, I have him behind Mayor. Mayor. Oh, Mayor's still number yeah. one for me. Mayor's still number one for me. Let's I'm, go. Not, yeah, I'm not bumping him up over one year production. I'm sorry, Mayor's done. It I'm also years. not. I can't, I can't do it. Get, so, so I was talking about this in our Discord, which you can access by becoming a member at chemistcanton.com, $2.99 a month, $29 or $3.99 a month, $29 a year. Did I get that right? $2.99, $29.99. You nailed it. Okay, perfect. Nailed it. Um, we, were, we were talking about this. There is not a successful tight end from a fantasy perspective under 245. So, I think Brock Bowers has 15 pounds to add in the next two years. At and that's at minimum two. Kyle Pitts is 247. And he's playing like a re, like he's a unicorn basically. He needs to add like 20 pounds. And I don't know if he can do it, which is why I still have Michael Mayer at tight end one. Not to not to distract from conversation, because I think Brock Bowers is probably like a very good tight end at the next level, but he needs to add he needs to add weight, bottom line. Chris Moxley out here looking like he celebrates January 6th. No politics. All right. Let's go move over here to um, Austin housekeeping for you. Go ahead. Um, I guess I was good cop last week, so I guess I had to go uh, bad cop this week. So listen up. Listen up. All Is that your you. bad cop, by the way? Is that your bad cop? It's the best I can do. It sounded At least like good cop. Christ. He just raised his volume like one. <laughs> At least I'm not like, sitting uh, here in a robe. Listen up. Yeah, fuck you guys. Um, <laughs> I hate this show so much. Um, all right. Um, I guess I'll be good cop then. Go, go sign up. Go subscribe to stuff. We got we're on YouTube, Campus to Canton. Go hit the button. If you review, that'd be cool on wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. I don't know what other mediums there are. Um, weird people that don't have iPhones listen in weird places. Um, go go review in all of those. Um, Luke warm cop. Oh man. Luke is just pushing our buttons tonight. And, um, yeah, sign up at the site. Like Chris just said, $2.99 a month, $2.99 a year. Go do it. 
Austin, you're supposed to give the audience a call to action. So what we want you guys to do is go find this video on YouTube, like it, give it a thumbs up, and subscribe to the website. We want to get this show. We want to it. We want to grow our audience on YouTube. Have more people interacting with us, like Luke, who gets the show, calling Austin a lukewarm cop. That's exactly what we want more of so go not, ahead and find not, this not, video on youtube not and pate state we want debate state Ooh. that's the status we want i like it you hear that josh pate you hear that josh pate and all your exclusivity that yeah, you're luke always talking that about shit, luke boom i'm gonna go i'm gonna go get josh pate <laughs> tell him we want the smoke hashtag we want the smoke josh pate um all right let's matt you got the trivia question for the day yeah. All right. So this was a little bit of a long one. I apologize. I, I dug in really deep for this one. So I went to QBR because I'm told by analytics people, this is a big deal for, for quarterback. So it's going to take a minute to get to the question here. Yeah. Take notes, Moxley. This is a big one. So I went all the way back to the 2013 draft class. So almost a decade, right? Nine years. There's only been 13 quarterbacks that have had a QBR of better than 85 in one of the three seasons that they've played. Sam Darnold, Trevor Lawrence, Jameis Winston, Justin Fields, Marcus Mariota, Deshaun Watson, Zach Wilson, Dak Prescott, Lamar Jackson, Mac Jones, who actually had one of the highest, Kyler Murray, Baker Mayfield, Jalen Hurts, and Joe Burrow. Those guys mixed in had almost all of them had over 5,000 passing yards and over 50 touchdowns in that season. How many quarterbacks in this year's class have done that in the three years they've been playing, and who was it, or who is it? How many ever you want to guess? I'm not going to tell you had, how many it is. They only had to have one season like that? One season of a better than 85.4, or I just did 85 exact, 85 QBR. I don't really care about the yards part, but the quarterbacks that are on here did go over that. I just kind of threw that in because there's I want I'm gonna ask you guys about this in the after show. So if you guys want some very interesting stats on some of these quarterbacks, stay for the after show because some of this stuff kind of blew me away. But uh however many you think made it out of all the ones in this class, and then who do you think they are? You can answer now, later. I don't know. It's up to Felix. It's his show. Well, I would be willing to bet my life savings that Malik Willis did not hit this. Well, that's not the question. It's it's how many did and who were they? Oh, so. how many? Well, Malik Willis, I'm willing to bet, is not one of them. Is this an okay. a, is this an after show tidbit where we'll give the answer away? It's up to you. you. It's Felix's show. You guys can do it however you want to do it. We can do it after the show. show. We can it's do it now. It's our, it's our show. I don't know I what mean, it's works our show, but like the you best run as far as teasing so. stuff. If we if we if we will will people listen to the after show if they have to get the answer to the trivia question? All right. Well, maybe we'll 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 figure that out on the way. Where's your call to action, um, Felix? I I didn't plan this far ahead okay. as far as when we would answer the mm-hmm. trivia questions. So. Okay. All right. Let's move on here to a couple of news items. Austin. Every time I look up, it seems that Arizona, not Arizona State, Arizona, the Wildcats are adding different pieces to their team from recruits to transfer portal. I mean. They're bringing in a lot. Should we care? Should we care about the Arizona Wildcats? I think they're going to be pretty good. And they are kind of the island of misfit toys is kind of the way I would describe them. They're kind of taking guys that like, I think they've done a really good job of selling. Like you could go to Oregon 
fight for multiple years through the depth chart and hope that you get on the field by your third year there. Or you could come to Arizona where it's really sunny and the girls are very pretty and we can get you on the field year one. I'm pretty sure that has been their recruiting pitch. They've done a pretty good job of selling some guys that had offers elsewhere. They brought in transfer quarterback Jaden Delara from Washington State, a guy that has been a big favorite of mine for the past couple of years. Whether he's an NFL guy, I don't know, but he is not afraid to throw the ball around. They bring in uh, freshman this year, uh, Teta Roa McMillan, uh, volleyball, basketball background, built exactly like Drake London. Probably not Drake London, but... You can see the appeal for why he'd want to go there. Rayshon Luke, we talked a little bit about him on the Campus Life pod this week. Like 5'8", 155, but the dude legit has like Olympic speed if he wanted to go that route or, you know, close to it. So so that's like a spot for him. I mean, they've got Jacob Cowan going in there. He's probably the most normal one, but a transfer who had offers everywhere and went to Arizona because he has a baby there. Like it really is just a, a bunch of, you know, misfits and outcasts that are kind of going to come together. I think it's a really interesting experiment, but I do really like Arizona. I don't think they're going to win them any games next year. They might surprise a couple teams. It's hard to be worse than they were this year, but I think for off for, for fantasy purposes, I think that's, you know, we like that. They're not probably not going to be a very good team, like from a winning perspective. Well, let's, I mean, let's recap here. They're adding Jaden Delara from Washington state goes to Arizona. Jaden Delora played as a true freshman. Very, very good. Washington State. They're adding Jacob Cowing, who I believe has a, for UTEP, broke out as a redshirt freshman or freshman and has been productive ever since he started playing. That freshman recruit that you're talking about, Austin, whose name I can't say, he is a four, he's a four-star prospect. And Rayshon Luke, who might be the fastest person on the field anytime he steps on the field so i mean at the very least let's pay attention to what arizona it what arizona is doing i mean it's just something to keep tabs on if you're in campus to can't leave you got you have to find value somewhere you know if you're in a startup and you're in the 30th round or if you're in a uh, in a supplemental draft and you're in the 12 between 12 rounds 12 and 15 you have to find value that value may exist there uh uh uh, at Arizona. So, all right, let's move on here. Um, Chris Moxley. We've talked a lot about, about um, Caleb Williams and potentially him potentially joining Lincoln Riley at USC. I'm, we're trying to figure out what does it mean if they do link up? Does Lincoln Riley and Caleb Williams and Mario Williams, does that make USC a title contender in the next two years. And I'm asking for the next two years because you got to figure that Caleb Williams is a potential 2024 um, uh, NFL draft declarant. So he's got two more seasons. I don't know if this year they will, but I can see it happening in two years, maybe. I mean, the state of the program isn't very good um currently and so if we're assuming that williams does go there based on the idea that you know dart already transferred out so maybe he saw the writing on the wall um i know it's not a a, a sign sign seal delivered deal but let's if we're working out that assumption um caleb williams had one of the best freshman seasons in recent memory and i think that he could be 
a player that elevates the entirety of the program, right? He finished 82nd percentile in adjusted yards per pass attempt, 100th percentile, i.e. like you can't get any better than that in EPA per pass attempt. And then 93rd percentile in QBR. Um, there's been a whole bunch of studies that indicate that QBR is like the most predictive metric in terms of long-term success. And then uh, EPA per play is the second most indic- indicative. So not only do I think Caleb Williams is a successful uh, collegiate quarterback already, I think he is on his way to be a stud in the NFL. So I absolutely think that within two, like probably not this year, but next year, look out for USC. I actually agree with you about Caleb Williams. I mean, I know he had his ups and downs in his freshman season, but Caleb Williams is a planet and he has his own orbit to himself, not just as far because I've, I've watched literally every snap I think through, I think I've watched maybe 90% of all the snaps that Caleb Williams has taken at Oklahoma. And I'm like, why was Lincoln Riley calling these plays? I don't know that he was, calling these long developing pass plays. It's just that Caleb Williams is like, okay, I don't like this. And he just runs around and, and finds somebody. I mean, that is, he, not only is he, he, his own orbit as far as a player in the offense, but it seems that his teammates gravitate towards him. Um, So wherever he goes, whether it be USC, I don't know if USC is ready. I mean, I don't know that offense was USC's problem. Um, I think their pro- their problem was probably re- recruiting and bringing in, you know, the right guys to compete at the highest level. I would really like to say Caleb Williams in Georgia. You know, we just talked about our pre-show. We talked about uh, Kirby Smart not being able to develop a quarterback. You don't have to worry about developing Caleb Williams because he just he he is, he he is what it is. So. Um, you know, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if you guys, if Matt or Austin, if you have anything to add on this question, I just don't know that USC is is going to be ready to be a title contender in two years. That's a pretty quick turnaround. No, I don't. They would have to be all in on 23. I, I don't think that roster is good enough to compete this year. Cause you're talking about, if we were talking about expanded playoffs already, then yes, I would say they probably have a chance to get in because they have a chance. I think, right now to possibly win the Pac-12, but I would easily put Alabama, Georgia, and Ohio State over them. And then I don't know if they were to get into a playoff today, say they were the fourth team, I don't think I'd put them within a touchdown favorite of any of the three of those teams. I just don't think that they have the the offensive line. I don't think they have the defense to keep up with any of those teams. And I don't think Caleb Williams changes it that much. Like, you know, we at Chris plugged the discord earlier we had like a, a great discussion on this the other day between caleb williams and dart and i like i actually agree with moxie i think caleb williams is going to be a really good nfl quarterback but i don't know that him going to usc just because he's worked with lincoln riley before completely changes that program i just i, I don't see it i don't think usc was a quarterback away from being a championship contender they had keaton slovis i mean they had keaton keaton slovis uh, so um Chris, we have Caleb Williams as a consensus quarterback too. That's going to be after we get rid of the the, the class of twenty twenty two, and three spots over Jackson Dart. Do I mean? Do we have? Is there any reason that we can should consider Dart above Williams? Do we have that right? 
Chris Moxley is muted, of course, because everyone has to mute Once themselves at some point during the show. Well, so yeah, I have to I have to do it at one point every every single week. But what I was saying was I am glad you asked that because I actually have Darth's numbers pulled up in comparison to Williams. I, I mentioned earlier, Williams 82nd percentile adjusted yards per pass attempt, Dart 36%. Caleb Williams, 100 percentile EPA per play, Dart. 41st percentile. Caleb Williams, 93rd percentile QBR. Dart technically didn't qualify, but if we extrapolate, 45th percentile. Those last two metrics are the single most predictive when we're talking about quarterback success in the NFL. They align um, better than anything else. Josh Herdmeyer did a study. University of Colorado did a study on it. Like By far and away, those two are the most important. What there are the two not, metrics? Say it again, because this is important if we're going to. I mean, this yeah, is absolutely. actionable information. What are the two metrics that are most predictive of NFL success for quarterbacks at the college level? So so first is QBR. And uh, Dean Oliver did a really good study on this like a handful of years ago and uh, from ESPN. And he defined QBR, and this is how it's calculated. I think it's a really good definition, actually. QBR accounts for what a quarterback does on a play-by-play level, meaning it accounts for down, distance, field position, as well as clock and score, i.e. a five-yard gain on third and four is a good play, whereas a five-yard gain on third and 14 isn't. And then scoring a touchdown down 20 is different than scoring a touchdown down six. So QBR takes into those uh, into account those sorts of things, and... um then tells you why or how a quarterback is performing. EPA QBR is basically a function of EPA as well, because EPA has a lot of uh, expected points um, per play. Uh, or att- attempt, technically, whatever you want, however you want to describe it. Does the same thing, but QBR basically describes a zero to 100 grade of it. And, um, you know, a lot of studies have found over time that those are the two most predictive metrics that we talk about. And so Caleb Williams is scoring within the 93rd percentile and the 100th percentile of those metrics. So he is by far uh, having like a successful season and an incredibly successful freshman season in a vacuum. Like he's been fantastic. And so any position in my, at least in my opinion, that holds Dart ahead of Williams currently is untenable when you look at the metrics involved and the data involved. I like it. I think that we need to consider the fact that not only is he a first-year player, but he's also a first-year starter, whereas Bryce Young, C.J. Stroud, both Heisman finalists this year, they were second-year players who were first-year starters. So um, Caleb Williams, a reason to trade for uh, 2024 draft picks because, I mean, he's going to have the the rushing ability. And, man, did we underestimate how good of a passer he could be under under Lincoln Riley and quite frankly how good of a deep passer he could be in that offense all right let's move on here we asked the audience um for some of their takeaways from the 2021 season and we were we got some uh responses at Debbie debate on Twitter Matt I'm going to send these to the group but I'll start uh with you with, with this first one uh from Brandon Lejeune friend of the show at Debbie deep dive of course uh, subscribe to the Devi Deep Dive podcast and look for him 
on YouTube. I think they just changed the name of the of the uh, YouTube page, and I don't remember exactly what it is. But uh, go find Brandon Lejeune on Twitter. You can you can um, you can look for it there. And he says, as far as his takeaway, that the portal will provide better opportunities for some players, which could increase their Debbie stock, i.e., Kenneth Walker. Situation matters now. Jameer Gibbs is somebody who comes to mind. Now, obviously, I'm not going to throw this to Matt since he has disappeared. Uh, Austin, I'll throw it to you. Jameer Gibbs is someone who comes to mind uh, off the top of my head. You know, he's going to go to Alabama. I think he could potentially be the first running back taken next year based on preference, uh, even over B. John Robinson. I think we potentially have two first round, first round running backs next year. That's saying a lot. Um, I mean, what's your. What is your reaction to that takeaway? And do you have, you know, some guys who could potentially increase their stock uh, as a result of transferring? Yeah, I think it definitely helps some people. I think at the same time, I think the Jackson Dart situation is a perfect example of a guy that did everything right this year and still gets screwed. Um, I mean, there's really no other way to put it. Um, I really want to see some restrictions put on the portal in terms of timing. Like the guys that play in the national championship game are at a disadvantage because they couldn't do this. I mean, they, they, they need to clean a lot of this stuff up. There's a whole different argument for one other day. A guy that I think is not being talked about a lot that I think could imp- increase their stock though, Isaiah Naor, wide receiver from Wyoming, tran- entered the transfer portal and has decided he's going to Tennessee. Tennessee's wide receiver room is low-key poopy. I think he can go in there and play right away. He offers something that nobody else on the team really does. Like he's different. They they really are recruiting a lot of speed there. And he's not a bad athlete by any means, but he's not like a burner. He's like 6'3, 205. He's a Felix guy. He's a Felix wide receiver. I think he's going to go in there and, and do pretty well. So he's a guy that I'll be uh, keeping an eye on. Could really raise his stock. Matt Bruning, Kevin Coleman, another friend of the show, says that Travion Henderson. Is the RB one RB one baby RB one? I mean, I figured that no, it would no be discussion easy to send needed. that to you. No discussion needed. No discussion needed. You would take Travion Henderson over Bijan Robinson. Yes, he's going to have a better season next year. So why not? Isn't that technically the? Isn't that the definition of RB one? Right? Has the better season? He's going to have a better season. I, I don't know. However, you... sure. Yeah, that's all defined. He's going to have a better season in twenty twenty two. Than Bijan Robinson. Who's who's the more successful NFL running back <coughs> right now? Period. He's gonna like, say the Buckeye whenever they enter. I don't know. I need yeah, to see what Travion Henderson does this year before I just say like I would say Bijan's probably gonna Bijan's shown more right now. That's kind of like a. So how can you answer. rank? How can you rank him above? If, if because I just said Travion right Travion's gonna have a better season this year. That's how I defined it. I just defined. That RB1 this year for me is going to be who has the better season. I believe Travion has a better season than Bijan. So, Therefore, so, I think he's RB1. I can't have this discussion tonight. No, no. Okay, <laughs> hold on. So if you yes. had to sit on uh, sit at the clock, uh, you're on the clock. Yeah. yeah. Bijan or Travion, who are you picking? Travion. I've already said this for uh, multiple all reasons. Right, all right. All right. It's coming out. It's coming out. This is my mental gymnastics band that... Solidifies. Why you have so many props in a bin beside you? This is the mental gymnastics to understand the Travion over Bijan reference. I mean, I've I've already given my reasoning behind this before. 
So, you just you just said I haven't seen enough from Travion. And so I so I'm sitting here like, well, why am I drafting Travion considering I am in a You said it's the best NFL league. back, right? Right now, right now, best yes. NFL back. Yes, I would say Bijan, but you're not course, asking so, that. But you're not you're saying who would I? Who would I, Matt Bruning, take at 101 if I'm sitting there between Travion and Bijan? That's the question, right? Well, Kyle McCord's a first-round pick for you, so maybe this is the wrong question. No, no Kyle McCord is a first-round pick, and he's going to start over C.J. Stroud. He is going to uh, start over C.J. Stroud. So. Book it. I have already said, right. and if you have – no, let me say it because Moxley's never been on this show, so if he if he wants to say that I'm wrong here, that's fine. I'm taking Travion over Bijan right now because, again, I want to win on the college side. I think Travion's got two more years. Bijan's not coming back after this year. I don't even know that Bijan plays this entire season. We've had that discussion. That part of it is what it is. I'm taking Travion because I think he plays for two years. He's going to help me win the college side, and then when he goes into the NFL, I don't think he's that much of a step down from Bijan. Not saying he's a better running back than Bijan, but it's all comes together in that one thing. It's also I like to play fantasy football. It all comes together. I love playing yeah, fantasy football. Interlocking his fingers. I am interlocking my fingers, creating a, a loving grasp between my two hands. I also play fantasy football to have fun. I like rooting for Buckeyes. So you're asking me personally, if someone were to come to me and you're Chris Moxley, I'm fan Chris Moxley. Matt Bruning, I just hit up your DMs. I'm 1-1 on the clock. Who am I taking? I'm going to tell you you should take Bijan. I love Travion Henderson. I, Matt Bruning, would take Travion Henderson. But you, Chris Boxley fan, asking my opinion, I would tell you to take Bijan. I'm allowed to take. Yeah. All right. Uh, Matt Bruning is telling you that he would take Travion Henderson, but that Bijan Robinson is the better running back. So do that right w- now. with what right you now will. Uh, Chris Moxley, Matty Big Chess on Twitter says that Jackson Smith and Jigba has surpassed Kayshawn Boutte. What do you feel about that? How do you feel about it? Oh, my God. I can't do this. <laughs> <laughs> the recency bias is killing me. Do people forget that Keishon Boutte – I think I brought this up last episode, too. It basically had the same idea, right? Like, Keishon Boutte had a 300-yard bowl game as a true freshman against Mississippi State that wasn't trotting out, like, running backs as their corners. So, like – not really sure it's com- it's comparable. Like I I like both players. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna discount either. But like Keishon Butte's freshman season was like really really impressive, especially at the tail end, and especially when he did basically the same thing JSN did in the bowl game, except against a better defense. So like I'm not re- I I am in no way ready to put JSN above Keishon Butte, even though I like both players. Can I just say one thing? Butte was outproducing JSN when he was healthy on the field. So why the hell, because he got injured, does JSN jump him? And I am the Buckeye homer here. That makes no sense whatsoever. It really doesn't. I'm always surprised when we get Matt, when we get any emotion from Matt, because he looks like he is just really, really tired. I mean, he looks like he is going to fall asleep right there in front of the camera. Um, just, Just one more here from Dez. Uh, he says that NIL deals in the transfer portal are game changers for college football. The level of levels of excitement couldn't be higher. And I couldn't agree with him anymore. I mean, I think that the attention that the, that the NIL, the NIL and that the transfer portal are bringing the college football is just, I mean, it's unprecedented because we, we had this free agency period 
that we get to talk about these players. We talk about them during the season, and then we're talking about them again now. We're talking about Jackson Dart and Mario Williams and Caleb Williams. I mean, these are big stories, and it's January. The, the, the championship game is over, and we're still talking about college football. I think that it is very good for us, very good for the Debbie debate. All right, there are more. Um, takeaways and you can tweet your takeaways at Debbie debate on Twitter and you can read the rest of them there. You can answer the polls at Debbie debate on Twitter, but I think that is going to do it for our show tonight. Of course, Debbie debate campus life, the podcast campus We are all year round. If you need your football fix, you can come here. You can go there to, uh, to campus to We've got you all year round, but um, we had Kirk Herbstreet booked for tonight, but we ran out of time. We will get him rescheduled soon for Matt Bruning, for Austin Nace, and Chris Moxley. I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck.